10 past 9 on a Sunday morning. You know how it works. It's super easy. We have our guest presenter, and I'm delighted that our guest presenter has chosen to come into the studio. He played his first song, Jamie Callum, and the Age of Anxiety seems kind of appropriate. He was recently appointed as the new artistic director of the Market Theatre Foundation. He is a man who has worked in a variety of theatres, both locally and abroad, including the Market Theatre, the Fugard Theatre, Artscape, the Durban Playhouse, the South African State Theatre. He has performed at the National Arts Festival, and critically, he is in fact a Standard Bank young artist as well. He has recently returned from working in the UK to take up a position as the artistic director of the Market Theatre Foundation. He's a director, he's a playwright, he's an academic. It's a long list. And he (laughs) is Greg Homan. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure to be here this morning. It's a real pleasure to have you in the studio as well. Greg, I suppose for you, you've just come from minus eight degrees. We had um, <laughs> we had Gemma, Gemma, Gemma on the f- Gemma Khan, uh, Gemma Khan, and ah. Tony Lancaster on the show last week talking about theatre yeah. in the UK. And uh, Tony was saying, "Yeah, minus eight degrees, which is a far cry from here, is it not?" <laughs> it is, and I haven't complained for one moment about the heat <laughs> since being back. So I've been back three weeks, and I, I'm, I'm enjoying the sunshine. Oh. Which yeah. you get very little of in the UK, um, and it's a, it's yeah it's um, I mean I'm, fe- I'm I'm feeling really inspired and and quite um, pleased to be to be back in my hometown. I'm oh. taking on my dream job. It is a dream job, and it's a tough job as well. <laughs> I mean, the Market Theatre is of course um, an extraordinary heritage site. It has a long, long history, and. It offers so much to South Africans and people of Johannesburg as well. It really is one of our great sites. Greg, let's just start with the song that you chose, mm. and then we'll go into a couple of other things. I was interested to see that you had chosen Bell Hooks as a book <laughs> that you really, really love. And it's not often we talk to our our um, guests about the books they choose, but I'd like to talk to you about that as well. But first song, Jamie Callum, Age of Anxiety. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jamie Callum as an artist is someone who I, I think I'm of a similar age. I must be of a similar age because when I was in the UK over 20 years ago doing my master's there, he released 20-something, yeah. which was an album that really spoke to me at that time. And then sort of, I think during the pandemic, he released this new album called Taller and um, this song is one of them. And it really just spoke to me at the time. I was I was in the UK. Um, we were in the pandemic. Um, it's a song about, you know, a, a, about the way in which we carry all kinds of pressures on ourselves often that are distant to us. So we're yeah. dealing with the politics of America and we, we've got the politics of our, our, our home country and yeah. we've got um, all of these sort of things that sort of feed some aspect of who we, you know, our identities and so on. And, um, and, and he kind of lists these in the song in a really beautiful way and then ultimately, you know, lands this message that, you know, all we really have in the end is love. Yeah. Um, and and to have someone beside you in that moment um, and, and in a moment is a real victory. Uh, or it, as he puts it, um, a little victory in an age of anxiety. And and that just really connected with me at a time. Um, and it's a song that I, I find great sort of, uh, I suppose, strength in and, 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 and I really connect to. Let's talk about making theatre in an age of anxiety mm. and certainly in an, a challenging age like we have now. I mean, it feels to me that on the one hand, it becomes even more critical. And on the other hand, it becomes a luxury. So it's two sides of the same Mm. coin. 
How do you feel going into the market theatre knowing that we are in this really, really tough time? Yeah. No, it is. I mean, I think there's a sense that theatre can be an elitist form and sometimes requires or, or it requires a kind of disposable income. So in that sense, it does become sort of something that you're, you maybe have to set aside special, you know, a special night to do. But on another level, it feeds us in, in a really, in a, in a really, you know, in, um, beautiful and profound, sometimes moving and, and, and occasionally life changing way. Yeah. So and we know this from the market theatre's history. I mean, you know, in the 80s and in the heat of, of apartheid and, and at the time of the states of emergency, I mean, the market theatre became not only a beacon of, of light and possible hope and critique of the apartheid state, not only locally but internationally. Yeah. So so its legacy is loud and clear around what it can contribute in a time of struggle, in a time of difficulty, in a time of strain. Yeah. And so, you know, it approaches its 50th year in three years' time. So I'm really pleased to be taking on the responsibility of preparing it for its yeah. 50th year. And I think that if we think about what it has contributed and think about where we are now and really kind of assess, well, what can theatre do for the next 50 years and what should it do to feed us and to stimulate us and to inspire us and to give us hope and to, to, to make us laugh and to make us cry and to make us angry. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I know we're, we're quite angry already at times with a lot of what's going on, but, but, but theatre, I think, produces the opportunity for a pr productive kind of way Absolutely. of thinking about those things. So it's an exciting time. It is a complicated time, but theatre thrives in complicated times. I mean, we were talking about cultural tourism and, and tourism in general a little earlier. And I suppose, well, I don't even suppose this. I know this. The market theatre is a space where many people come from all over the world. And in fact, people from the cultural sector and the entertainment sector go specifically there. It's often used to promote uh, various different embassies and their cultural drives, etc. What does it mean to take over this position, the artistic director of the Market Theatre Foundation? Well, for me, it means, and I've really been thinking a lot about this, for me, it, and I don't want to sound sort of um, lofty in saying this, but it, it feels like it's an act of service. Mm. And it feels like I'm, I'm here to, 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 to contribute the skills and the expertise I have to work with the wonderful artists across, across our country and beyond um, and to really engage the space and re-engage the space in what, mm. it, what it has done so well for 50 years. Think about that and, and align it. And, and, so, and then leave it hopefully whenever I do in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a I don't know, in a better place than I found it. And not yeah. that I found it in a bad way at all, yeah. but, I, but, but, but I think that, that that's the act and, that, and that's kind of what I, how I'm thinking about it. So for me, it's about shared ownership and it's mm. about finding ways in which everyone from an audience who could come, an international audience, um, from the people who study at the lab, from the children who go to the Windy Brow on an afternoon to have lessons um, and classes about drama, to the photo workshop that does incredible exhibitions, to everything that goes in the theater, um, to really find a, a kind of way in which Joburg, Gauteng, and the country can yeah. embrace it in a shared ownership way and, and feel like they have a piece of this place um, that, they, that they have a stake in. Do you think, I mean, Greg, what you're talking about is two, 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 two things. The one is the market theatre as an experience, mm. and the other one is the market theatre as a geography, yeah. where it's placed, its architecture, um, the physicality of going into that space. Tell us about that and what you hope you might be able to do with the, physical, the physical market theatre space as well. 
in terms of where it is in the city as well. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it has a complicated and difficult sort of relationship to where it's positioned, and and we know you know Newtown is is both a wonderful, thriving, dynamic place, but it's also a place that some people feel alienated from. Some people mm. second guess whether they should 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 cross Nelson Mandela Bridge. So we need to create an experience there that feels like like you're not only coming there to watch a theatre show, you're coming there for an experience, and that and that you you're getting something that feels like it's really um, an opportunity to engage with the cultural life mm. of of our country, um, and that doesn't mean just a show. That means you know an experience of sitting in the bar and having conversations with strangers, um, being surrounded by by people who maybe you don't encounter in your bubble somewhere else in the city or, or beyond. Mm. Um, and it also means looking at maybe different kinds of art. So so you can you can, you can see an exhibition. You can watch a show and then you can hang out afterwards and have a drink and listen to some jazz. You know, th th that's the, the, the vision that I have for the space. And, yeah. and so – and that also is just about how we create an atmosphere and a vibe. I mean the one word that's come up a lot since I've been there from, from a lot of the really wonderful staff that are, yeah. are working at the market and, and many of which have worked there for quite a long time is the sense of how do we make a vibe? Let's make a vibe. We've got this opportunity. <laughs> We've got all these resources. We need to make a vibe. And I think that that's it. And so it is about – a quality experience that we need yeah. to create that's not just about a quality show that you're coming to watch but a quality experience and artists need to feel like they're getting um, access to a resource in order to prepare or create the work that they want to make and 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 that we're introducing a young audience yeah. to to that experience um, either as potential future makers or just as potential audiences who who may maybe may go on to be you know lawyers but have a have a, a connection to where they live and are conscientized in a way that makes them better lawyers because yeah. they have a sense of what the cultural life and the artistic life of of our country is. So one of the first times that I ever got to the Market Theatre, I actually was performing there. We had, I, was, uh, I came out of UCT, travelled and then came back and we did a production at the Market Theatre. I remember being in awe and being absolutely terrified. We're going to go to a break, but when we come back from the break, I want to hear of your first experience <laughs> at the Market Theatre, either as a performer, a director or whatever that may have been. The Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM, destination unknown. He's recently been appointed as the new artistic director at the Market Theatre Foundation. His name is Greg Homan. He's an artistic director. He's a director. He's a playwright. He's an academic. And he certainly has been in the world of theatre, both in Gauteng and Johannesburg, South Africa, but also globally as well. And now he's back to take this position. Greg, um, you've just mentioned the first time the name the market theater came up into your world tell us about that yeah so the first recollection i have of any sort of sort of contact point with the market was my, my mom has always been an in you know someone who's interested in theater and art in different ways and i remember as a, as a child I, can't, I don't know how old i was i was probably around 10 11 years old and she used to go to various things and the one evening she went to this place called the market and um i sat up as i often used to do and, and waited for her on the, on the steps and uh, when she returned uh, she said no this is what she had seen and she handed me this program and it was i remember it very clearly it was for the ugly nunu which is an andrew buckland one person yeah. play and um it had this image of this sort of insect on on the program and and and, 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 and i think i remember wasn't her saying, kafka either no, and i remember her saying something about you know this man plays a 
plays a, a, a Parktown prawn or something. And, yeah. and I, I just thought, I, I don't understand what this is, but, but it just sounds really strange and wonderful. Um, so that's my first memory of it. But my first memory as a, as a professional was, or my first inter- interaction as a professional was, I directed Lord of the Flies there in 2006, yeah. which as far as I'm aware is the only professional production um, with a cast of essentially um, teenagers um, that the wow. market's ever done. And I think it ran for seven weeks. It played largely to schools, but it did, you know, um, the, the, these these young professionals who were teenagers and going to school in the morning were doing something like nine shows a week. Um, wow. and, it was, um, and it was a South African adaptation of Lord of the Flies that Craig Higginson had been involved in. Yeah. Mm. Greg, do you remember how you felt? I mean, I actually get goosebumps when I think of like that first time, you know, the first time you go into a space which has, is redolent with history and memory and heritage and so much more. Do you remember how you felt? You mean going into the job? Or, no, or, or go, yeah, going, going into, into that particular that production. particular production. Well, it was a funny time because I was at the same time, if you want to contrast, performing 18 different characters in Around the World in 80 Days, directed by Alan Swerdlow, uh, wow. produced by Peter Turin at Monte Cassino. <laughs> and we had worked out a way of me, um, because at that point we were in, were in production with that, so I was performing at night and mm. I was rehearsing during the day. And because we were working with a cast of teenagers, we weren't working sort of eight hours a day. So we'd, we'd worked, so I think we were working four or five hours a day. So mm. I was rehearsing Lord of the Flies at the market and I was doing um, the show Around the World in 80 Days, which then went to Cape Town. Um, and we actually opened the show and then I went to Cape Town and left these this cast of teenagers yeah. at the market theatre doing this professional run. Um, so, I mean, how did I feel? I mean, I was hugely privileged. And, I, you know, the, as an academic and as a thinker and as a, a maker, the market theatre stands, I mean, mm. it, it, it's, its legacy looms very large. Yeah. And whoever you are, if, if you're an artist in South Africa, the market holds a special place. And hopefully for audiences too, it, 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 yeah. it's in, in many ways a kind of pinnacle of how we think about um, artistic t- talent and, and what it's contributed so, yeah, I mean, I felt incredibly, probably honoured to to mm. be a reasonably young director taking on this project um, and and doing so. And then, you know, every time I return there, I I feel like it's a, and I don't use these words lightly, and I don't, I'm not a religious person, but it was, it's a blessing. It's a mm. blessing to work there. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I have a lot of respect for for the space and its legacy and its history. You know, one of the things, of course, about working in the theatre, and it was something that was mentioned in our conversation last week, was this idea of the time that needs to be allowed to an actor and a performer in order to make something happen. And if you look at really great ensemble work, the reason that it's really, really great is because those actors have had time together. They've spent maybe sometimes even years as part of a company um, really testing their metal and testing their skills. And they learn about each other in ways that um, people who are thrown together and suddenly at the end of three weeks suddenly have to pull a production out of yeah. the hat uh, don't have that, that opportunity. Is yeah. creating a company at the market theatre something you'd, yeah. you'd like to do? I mean, it's… Blue sky. It, it, in some ways, it's, a, it's essential. Um, I mean, what, well, what certainly is essential is we have to give space and we have to give time to artists mm. to create their best work. And I feel like, you know, we're so sometimes desperate to get a new South African play or new South African work on our stage that we sometimes we end up with a great idea or an artist brings a great idea and we we, 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 we wrap 
you know, package it, wrap it, and put it on stage or put it in an exhibition space. And, and it's a great idea, but doesn't necessarily have – it hasn't been baked. Mm. Um, and and it's, it's not fully ready for that. So I'm very passionate about giving space and time to artists. And a dream of mine, and I'm hoping we can find um, a partner who, who recognizes the value in this. A dream mm. of mine is to create a, a company that every year spends six months at the market and that every year it's a different collection of artists. So yeah. 10 to 12 artists who have six months full-time employment, which for artists is particularly working yeah. in, in the medium of theater is a very rare um, occurrence. Um, and that they are able to make a minimum of four works across six months as full-time employed artists. Yeah. And that's I would love to find a partner who recognizes the value in that and that, that, that can commit to it for three years. And that Because then we get skills transfer. Yeah. We get exactly what you're talking about in terms of spending time with each other. And because, you know, often – it's a remarkable what 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 casts and directors do. You walk into the room with often complete strangers. Yeah. You from day one are talking about your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts connected to the particular play you're yeah. doing, and in three weeks' time you're expected to be playing husbands, wives, brothers, <laughs> sisters, cousins in a way that's compelling and interesting and and believable for an audience. Mm. You do this for three three weeks in front of an audience, and then you go your separate ways, and you sometimes don't see these people again. So you have this really intense relationship with strangers um, that's deeply connected to identity and who you are and then it's so so time would would produce a whole nother level of quality it would allow skills transfer so yes i would love to create a company i mean i'm thinking i'm thinking if you know if one looks at the the standard bank young artist award that award ultimately is exactly that is it gives you time to create a work i mean you are funded to create a work as a standard bank young artist I mean, you've been one of those mm. winners. What does it mean? Well, uh, ex exactly that. And if you look at the the, the, the list of Standard Bank Young Artists, it's an incredibly impressive and successful mm. list. And, and obviously, you know, the, the, the people who become Standard Bank Young Artists are people who, who – um, who carry that name with them for for for, for, for so they carry for the life. they carry the brand Standard Bank with them for the rest of their life. Mm. I mean, we spoke about Andrew Buckland a moment ago. I mean, you know, another example, um, Mandla. Um, uh, yeah, uh, well, no, oh, Mandla, no, no, uh, the, 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 the the musician yeah. um, Mlangeni yeah. was just at the market last week. Standard Banking artist is all over the place. So it, it, it's a yeah. brand that, and I'm here. I am on national radio using that that you know the brand over and over again. So 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 the way in which. A, a corporate brand sits with it is 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 one benefit, but on the other level, for the artist, you do yeah. you get this moment where you you get a spotlight on you, but you get time, you get you you get money, um, and and you can see when you look at that list of how many people not only have had a career up until that moment, but have incredibly impressive careers. You know, if you look at the artistic directors across the country, yeah. Lara Foot, myself. Now and Orbi Sahabi, Standard Bank Young Artist winners, and yeah. they are of three of the biggest spaces and theatrical spaces across the country. Yeah. So, so those the, the value you get out of those kinds of relationships between um, a, a corporate and and an art institution um, change people's change artists' lives and live with them for for forever. Jeez. You know. Let's go to your second song. It's half past nine if you have just joined us here on SFM. We're chatting to Greg Homan, the Artistic Director of the Market Theatre Foundation. We're going back in time to your second song, mm -hmm. uh, Joy with Paradise Road. Yeah. It's the choice or the secondary choice of Greg Homan, who's the Artistic Director of the Market Theatre Foundation. Greg, 
Uh, you mentioned that this was, in fact, the choice of your partner. Your mm. partner chose the song. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, f- f- firstly, it's a it's a song that I find, and I've you know, uh, you it it means different things at different times in your life, and it's and I think for for the country, at you know, our country, at times it's meant um, you know there, there are better times ahead of us, but and, and and today it means that in a different way and in a different kind of context. But yes, it was the uh, pa- uh, the choice of my partner, Clint Lesh. Um, we've been to together nine years and the bittersweet part of taking on this job at the market is that um, we know we made the choice to to sort of relocate ourselves to the UK um, almost four years ago and um, and you know we confronted the pandemic while we were there and and so he's remaining there um, while I return here he's South African as well but he's remaining there because he's in he's in good work and uh, he works in musical theater in, in an ac- academic mm-hmm. space and as a performer and um, so that's the bittersweet part so yesterday when I told him I was doing the, this interview and I said oh, I need to choose two songs and I said to him what would be your choice and he gave me three 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 choices and um, I said yeah Paradise Paradise Road is is certainly one we should include um, yeah you, you talk about that this is your partner's choice and it does talk about great times or better times ahead um, all of which kind of tie together in the fact that your choice of book is um, the Bell Hooks book all about love mm. yeah and I think um, I, what I like about well, I, I, I suppose I should start with a confession I'm not a huge fiction reader uh, when it comes to novels yeah. um, I read a huge amount of plays uh, yeah. I must probably read three or four, sometimes more plays a week, yeah. um, and sometimes new plays. I'm usually reading new plays that haven't been staged before. Um, but um, when I do read for for inspiration, for sort of uh, relaxation, I, I usually turn to something that is connected to biography, autobiography, or in this instance, to something that connects with kind of an academic way of thinking about things. But in a, I mean, essentially, this is a book about, it's a self-help book, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's a book about love and how we think about love, how we think about a definition of love, how society has constructed an idea of love for us that is gendered. And, yeah. and bell hooks um, as a... Heteronormative. As a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so as a gay man myself and, and as someone who's really interested in a kind of more fluid sense of identity and a feminist... Uh, construction of the world as opposed to sort of a heavy patriarchal construction of the world. I mean, Bell Hooks is someone that um, I I often turn to and have found great insight from. And what I like about this book is that it's incre- incredibly accessible. It's yeah. very personal for her as well. Yeah. But it does have that really strong academic vein without it feeling like it's it's um, untouchable or sort of unpenetrable in, ter- in terms of its ideas. And so for me, it's a really wonderful kind of combination of an accessible read th- about love, how we think about love, and how we can think about love as a society differently um, and, and then that's what makes, I think, this a really lovely read. You know, I'm just thinking about the fact that how much I really appreciate the creative sector in general, in the world, in South Africa, because I feel like through people like yourself, people uh, in the creative sector and the uh, much broader sector that, that talks to entertainment as well, so many of the conversations about who we are as human beings are raised um, you know, we can talk about so many different things with regards to the economy, with regards to politics, etc. And all of it is politics and the economy, whether you're talking about it in the creative sector or not. But it's a profoundly important space for us that I yeah. feel like we sometimes forget. Yeah, it gives us strategies of how to live better. And that's what storytelling does across yeah. any medium. It gives us 
an opportunity to watch something in front of us or see something in front of us. If it's an exhibition, performance, even if it's music, yeah. we, we, we watch or listen to something and we reflect on our lives and it gives us a way of thinking maybe, ooh, we could do this differently or I could think differently or I could feel differently or I haven't felt like this before. Ooh. Yeah. And all of those things are what art does. And I think if we engage with it, and I, I you know, I recently, there's a Man and Guardian article that, that came out yesterday, which focuses particularly on my relationship to sport. And sport does that too. And But yeah. I think because of the way in which sport, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily do all of those things. It, it certainly makes us feel, it, it shifts our mood. Sport, well, it makes sport us feel like we're part mood. of a team. Exactly. It, marks, it gives us a sense of belonging patriotism. and it shifts our mood, sometimes yeah. in very positive ways, but sport can also shift our mood in a, in, in a negative way, to, you know, if our team doesn't yeah. do well and so on. But, but it gives us a sense of belonging. And so there's actually, and, and there's been a, and I, you know, I went to Parktown Boys High School where, you know, it was a very sort of sport dominant world. Um, but I luckily found a, a, a family there that, and I say a family as a, in, in the world of drama and theater. And, and I'm very grateful for, for having found that family there. But there's this sort of polarity of like, well, these things are different, but actually they're not. They're, they're, they're a way of us engaging in a sense of belonging, engaging us in a feeling yeah. about ourselves. And, and art does that, plus it also, I think, engages our minds potentially. You know. Let's talk about your second guest. She's on the line, uh, Yvette Hardy from Asitej. We'll talk about what Asitej actually is. Why have you chosen Yvette as your guest? So Yvette and I had a meeting very recently, and I really uh, love the sort of breadth of work that Yvette's engaged in, particularly through Asitej, but also as an activist in some ways as an, in the art mm. space. And I think the youth audience um, and making work an artistic product for youth is just such an important part. I mean, yeah. if we don't do that, we don't have a generation who who has a, a touchstone for for the future. Yeah. And so in that instance, I think this is really important work. And I think the work that Yvette is doing through Asitej is really worth, worth talking about. Yvette, you are on the line and I know that you've been listening to the conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me, Greg. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Yvette. <laughs> uh, just for our listeners, perhaps you could just um, explain what is Asitej and the work that you do. Greg's touched on it, but perhaps you could just uh, take that further. Yeah, sure. So Asitej is really about ensuring that every child in our country has access to the performing arts, wherever they happen to be. I mean, that's quite a tall order because um, we know our context. We know how difficult it is for children to to access anything, you know. Um, for many children in this country, having a toy of their own or a book of their own or, or even a meal, you know, um, is is sometimes a stretch. Um, but we really believe that it is incredibly important that children have the opportunity to engage with the arts, precisely because of what Greg's just been talking about. Um, you know, in the arts, we're able to start to understand and to make meaning for ourselves. We have agency in constructing that meaning. And I think that that's something which uh, we desperately need to give children, particularly when they are disempowered by their circumstances. They need to have the tools to be able to see differently, think differently, empathize with people different from themselves in order to be able to have agency in the world and to be able to make a change in their lives. So that's really our mission. And we do it in a whole lot of different ways. But, um, you know, I think I think one of the, the key things about Asitej is that we're also a community. We're a community mm. of artists and organizations that come together 
to make this a reality. You know, um, I'll, I'll raise it with both of you. Is I'm always interested in how we get kids into the theatre. I mean, Greg, it was interesting you talking about your mother. I mean, I can remember as well um, as a very young child being taken to various different musical theatre productions and that kind of thing. Um, not everyone has access to a theatre per se. And it talks to, I mean, yesterday we were talking about not everybody has access to a medical theatre, you know, that they can't go and get operations. It's like about yeah. the geography of things. How can you deal with it? I mean, Greg, you are now the artistic director of a physical space, but it could then become, as we mentioned earlier, a metaphor for other opportunities. I'll start with you, Greg, and then Yvette, after that, perhaps we could just talk about how you are able to provide access because access offers agency as well. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, it, there are a few strategies and a few things that are currently um, happening at the Market Theatre Foundation. So the Wendy Brow is one example of a program. You know, the Market Theatre now has, um, or the Market Foundation is 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 now the Wendy Brow sits under the, that umbrella, mm. and. Um, the Windy Brow has a really wonderful youth program that happens in afternoons, and it allows um, children and teenagers who who live on the doorstep of that building in Hillbrow to mm. come in in an afternoon to a safe space, a strange place in the sense that it's an old Edwardian building, yeah. but they find in that space hope, you know, a sense of safety and a sense of being able to play and to 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 really explore a drama and mm. and and find a community there. So that's really crucial. The other things that that can be done is obviously we can take work to places. So we're looking more and more at how we get work out to schools. And again, um, the Windy Brow and Quasha, which is connected to the Market Theatre Lab and and the Wind, and the Windy Brow, mm. um, is this uh, youth professional group or this rather a young professional group um, that is making a, a work for youth yeah, they do amazing and they will stuff. they will take work to schools um, yeah. so as opposed to and and and, f and find a youth there so so instead of expecting youth to come to the building we can take work to them you know yeah. so the, 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 those are sort of two things that are on the go and um, and that hopefully break down the barrier of of well how do we get um, them to come to the building you know? Uh, Yvette, you, you mentioned the word community and um, Greg's also mentioned the word community. How do you see that as happening for young people? Um, you don't have a specific theatre yourself. So I suppose for you, the idea of going out and uh, really, really reaching into different spaces is critical. Absolutely. And I mean, that's why we're so lucky in terms of our structure in that we do have this network of artists and organisations across the country who have access to different spaces. So whether they're working in creches or in schools or in community centres, or whether they have relationships with the, the local theatres, uh, the municipal theatres, or, or even the, you know, the bigger theatres, um, we're able to utilise those relationships and then find ways to get um, the arts to children on the ground. One of the things which has been absolutely phenomenal just in the last six months has been a program that we've been able to implement through the Social Employment Fund, um, which is administered by the IDC, where Akatish is employing 1,650 artists around the country across nine provinces. Uh, we are um, within 136 different organizations, and these artists are working part-time with children and young people in the arts every week. So we are reaching 50,000 children in rural settings, in township settings, in you know, a variety of settings 
Um, and it's, it's really exciting. It's been a complete game changer. It's really given flesh to what was there already. Um, but just through the, the support, we've been able to ensure that, um, you know, the, the, the number of children actors in the arts have increased phenomenally just in the last six months. Um, Yvette, I'm trying... Was it the was it the magnet theatre that started doing and I think you were involved with it um, work with yes. babies? Um, yes. How so, does that even work? So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, Africa is an international organisation um, is you know committed to making uh, theatre and performing arts accessible to children literally from birth, um, but. Theatre for very young children has not been the norm in South Africa. So we, we're used to seeing, um, you know, theatre for children from, say, six up. Um, sometimes we're lucky enough to get a piece that might be um, suitable for maybe the four- to six-year-old. But really, um, up until about um, ten years ago, I would say, in South Africa, there was practically no work at all which was being made for the under-fours. Um, and certainly none for, for newborn babies. Um, so we, as Asitesh, and with links into the international community, started a process where, um, firstly, we, um, like the theatre, Jenny Resnick, um, had had an opportunity to attend some international events of Asitesh and to see some of this baby work. And we had a conversation where she said, you know, she's really interesting, interested in trying to explore that with Magnus. And so we looked for... Um, international artists who were interested to come and work in South Africa and to do workshops with the Magnet Theatre trainees. And over a series of years, we brought different guests at different times to work with Magnet, and each resulted in a new kind of offering and a new level of, of work. And one of the very significant um, exchanges was with an Irish company called Replay, which does work for babies. Um, and... Jenny then worked with one of the very successful <laughs> Magnet Theatre um, alumni, which is Kaleka Patuma. Everyone will know her, of course, as a, as a published and highly acclaimed poet. But she's also a theatre director. And she, uh, with Magnet, made the first baby piece called Scoop, a kitchen play for babies, which was uh, with four actors and aimed at eight children and their caregivers or parents um, in a very small, very intimate setting of a little tent uh, where they are able to kind of magically invest ordinary things, the things that you might find in the kitchen, um, with a playfulness and an artistic quality that keeps the children absolutely captivated. And in fact, <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned this because I've just been reading a, a research uh, study that was done on that particular piece. And one of the findings was how it impacted on fathers' relationships with their babies and how fathers started to see their babies in an entirely new way from understanding that their babies were able to engage with art in this way, that they had focus and concentration, that they found particular things funny which their fathers had never expected them to engage with. And it really built that bonding relationship between fathers and and their babies um, in, a, in a very, very special way. So, yes, I mean, this kind of work, I think, is vitally important for us. Um, but obviously it needs support because it's the kind of thing that, you know, um, it's very intimate. Well, so it, I mean, it needs to have support. 
Greg was saying he wants to bring young people back into <laughs> Come with your baby. <laughs> oh, just, I mean, it does raise this very interesting idea of like what a theatre then becomes. I mean, as you, you both mentioned yeah. the word community, but it also, I mean, it does then raise the question of commu- yeah. community and commercial. I need to go to a break and then Greg will come straight back to you. The Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM, destination unknown. We're talking to Greg Homan, the Artistic Director of the Market Theatre Foundation. His guest is Yvette Hardy from Asatej. And really, uh, one of the things that the conversation has raised is this idea of taking your kids to the theatre, knowing uh, what it's like to have family members going to the theatre and much more. And uh, one of you has just commented on that. Hello, Michelle. I am so enjoying your interview. And it brings back uh, memories of my going to the market theatre with my two young teenage boys to listen to Hot Stick Mabuza, where we, I encouraged them to jive in the aisles, which was unheard of in those days. Viva! It's Lindsay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, Sipo Hot Sticks Mabusa, I'm sure you uh, may remember or not, those two teenagers jiving in the passageways. Um, Greg, it does talk to what we were talking about off air, though. Let's, let's... Yeah, and I think this is, you know, it's wonderful to, to have um, Yvette with us and to talk about how we can think of theatre and art as being something not for a particular age, but for every age. Mm. And I think mm. if, you know, the, 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 the market and the Market Foundation and all its activities really has the opportunity and, and is already in some ways doing this. It's touching people at every, every point in their life. And mm. it can do that. And whether you're an artist or whether you're an audience member or whether you, you're someone who, who is just a tourist visiting the city or, or whatever, there's an opportunity for, for art to really um, touch you at every part of your life. And I think that that's what the Market Theatre Foundation and the Market Foundation really needs to needs to embrace what well, is embracing already and, and yeah. I'd like to strengthen that is the opportunity for us to to impact people's lives whether they are a, a baby who's coming under the age of four um, or you know toddler or whether it's um, someone in their teenage years or whether it's a seasoned professional who um, has a project in mind and, 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 and needs space to, to make it happen or, or and so on mm. so so um, the, the, through the work of the Windy Brow the market lab um, which has a if, if people don't know is yeah. a two-year training program uh, for um, prof- you know professional um, actors. Uh, and I'll say I've seen some phenomenal productions. I think the Rhinoceros. Yeah, the, the Unesco was done yeah. through, through them. As well phenomenal. as having um, off you know e- uh, weekend classes on a Saturday for yeah. for people who who want to come and learn acting, even if they don't want that ever to become their career. Yeah. But, and and so on. So so there, there are various programs there, and then the photo workshop, which um, skills and and enriches a photographer. Um, and has an incredible program that touches every province in the country, yeah, um, and 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 then creates exhibitions around around some of that work and and, and so on. So so that. You know, and I've, I've often talked about like it doesn't just mean going to the theatre. It means knowing that you are a, you know, you're a grandmother in in Cape Town, and you you've got a, a child who's studying at the Market Lab, um, or you're part of a book club in Bryanston, yeah. and and you've got an interest in coming to to watch something because a book you've read is now a stage play. Yeah. Um, you know, or or you're a taxi driver, and there's a kind of conversation happening in the car, and and you're you're, you're in the taxi, and you're kind of part of that, yeah. and, and and you know. A, 
theatre and art thrive when it's in the daily lives of of us and mm. um, and it, in, and it's of most value when it's in our daily lives. So I'll put this to both of you. When we think of theatres around the world, um, East West, often the ones that are most successful are the ones that become the glue in the community. They almost become quite sticky in terms of the people mm. that are attracted there, that go there, that spend time there. And it's not just, as you say, spending time to go and watch a performance, but just to be there, to work together. Um, Yvette, have you seen, where have you seen that and how do you see that maybe from the outside as being something that could really be ex- expended and expanded at the market theatre? I think you should get Wi-Fi in there for one. Mm. There's Wi-Fi. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm thinking about some of the theatres that I've seen in Germany, for example, that have become hubs for community dialogue and debate and where there are community dinners that are held and conversations are, are had around the topics that are, you know, the most pressing to that particular community. And... Um, it's really that sense of making people feel welcome and making people feel like this is a space for them. Mm. I think that one of the mistakes that so many theatres make is, um, and perhaps it's a sort of linked to that thing of, you know, wanting to make theatre an occasion. And of course it should be an occasion. And yes, it's lovely to dress up and go to the theatre and have that sort of, that sort of pomp around it. But that can be incredibly intimidating. Sorry. That can also be incredibly intimidating for people. And, and so I think that there, I think that there needs to be a balance. I think there needs to be a sense that, you know, that that, that the theatre is a space of dialogue. It's a space of connection. It's a space of deep listening. Um, it's a space of being together, yeah. and that is really what needs to be um, inculcated and 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 created in the space. One of the things I absolutely loved about Cradle of Creativity in 2017, which was this huge performing arts festival that we did. Uh, for children and young people as part of the World Congress of Assetage. And we were using the Artscape and um, the Baxter Theatre and the City Hall as, as our main spaces. And one of the things I absolutely loved about that was particularly in the Baxter, where we had a focus on the work for the early years, we had everywhere there were spaces where children and parents and caregivers could engage with. You know, there were things that they could look at and crawl through and and see and witness and the, the whole theatre was just, you know, um, alive with these little bodies and, yeah. and people. Um, and, you know, there was a real sense of it being a, an accessible space for all. And equally, one of the things which was so lovely was going into um, into some of the cultural hubs. So yeah. places like um, our own space in Flakron, Flakron Community Centre, and bringing artists and audiences from outside that community into that community and making everybody feel at home there. Yeah. It's a really special thing to do. Let's close off, Greg, with you because we have a few minutes and then we're yeah. out. So when you talk about the space that the Market Theatre will become under your guidance. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Yvette has said it really well and we've been talking about it um, th- this morning. Is, is It's about shared ownership. And mm. I, I mentioned that, that, that phrase earlier. But but I think it's, it's about everyone feeling like they have a piece of the space. It's a home away from home for artists, for audience members, for people who are studying and training to be photographers and, and, and actors. Actors, um, and 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 that it's an incredible resource. I mean, you know, there's a, this amazing resource there. There's incredible history, yeah. um, and if we can 
activated as a shared space um, and a space of, of shared ownership where people hang out, they talk, they have conversation, it leads to other projects, and, and maybe it well leads to projects and other things that happen well beyond that space. Mm. That's absolutely fine. Um, but it just needs to be a, a hub where you can go, you can have a drink, you can have a conversation, you can engage with fellow artists, and if you've got an idea, you can test the idea. So I'm in the next um, few weeks, hopefully very, very soon, yeah. we'll announce a development program for artists, which hopefully will cap, uh, give, give artists across different levels of experience an opportunity to come to, to, to the market and, yeah. and make their work and to create their work and to develop their work. Um, and then hopefully we can announce a program in the coming weeks as we, as we firm it up that is really stimulating and exciting and re-energizes and energizes just how we think about where we live and how we feel. This month is Black History Month. Uh, have you yes. got any productions that you're going to be focusing on? Yeah, we have one event. It is unfortunately not an open to the public event. It's an event f um, for the American Embassy with their invited delegates um, and, and dignitaries. Um, and we're making a short work um, that looks at the relationship between Steve Biko's politics and his, his life uh, alongside Malcolm X's politics wow. and life. And it becomes almost a kind of conversation point between those two um, you know, major figures of black history. Jeez, I look forward to seeing who, which actors are going to take that part. <laughs> hey? That's like something you'd love to do. Greg, I wish you all the best. Yvette, thank you so much for joining us. Yvette Hardy of Asatej and also Greg Homan, the Artistic Director of the Market Theatre Foundation. We forget the importance of the sticky space that is a theatre. Let's uh, go back to remembering that. 10 o'clock, time for the news. No longer good morning, now goodbye.